What's up, Drop Pod listeners? You can find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Pods at The Drop Podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, review, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they've recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. Oh, how about this? Did one, you... one pro tells me yes, another pro texts me and says no. <laughs> Not even joking. <laughs> This is the Drop Podcast, where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on, everyone? We have a very special episode for you. New Jersey is, is full of super famous people, uh, you know, from Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, to the dozens and dozens of athletes that have come out. And you constantly hear about people that saw this person in high school or Bruce Springsteen at the Stone Pony. And I think what we have today is going to be exactly that. Uh, we have Chris Goddard up on the show today. Chris was the 2022 number one collegiate golfer. He has an extremely bright future in professional golf. Uh, and we had him on for a little over an hour to talk uh, everything. We talk about his junior years, high school years, heading to Rutgers, his transfer to Oklahoma, and then up to the Corn Ferry Tour start, which starts this week. It was, it was an incredible talk with him. And, and he's, if you're someone who likes golf in New Jersey, he, he's, he's New Jersey golf. Right now, there's no one with a brighter future. And he's going to make waves in professional golf. And, and he's just a certified stud. And, and it's a must listen to. So make sure you stick around and listen because he's, he's awesome. Mike, I wanted to start with a segment that I thought would be kind of cool, at least start the idea of the segment. You know, Mike and I kind of bounce ideas back and forth a lot of the time, maybe sometimes a little too often, but we came up with this idea. There, there's 21 counties in New Jersey. Neither Mike or I have played every golf course in New Jersey. So we wanted to put this list together, 21 counties, 21 courses and put a golf course in each county that we want to play. And each week, we're going to talk about that one. Not going to be a terribly detailed, it's just going to be, hey, this is something that we, we researched, we put in some, you know, did some Googling, and this is going to be one that we're interested in getting to. Um, if you guys certainly have suggestions for some of them, throw them out to us. Uh, I know that we've played a lot of the courses near us, so we're going to struggle a little bit for the, the counties that we live in. Uh, but this is going to be something we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about over time. Uh, I think it can be a rotating list of things because 
I know, for example, both Mike and I want to play Skyway Golf Course. That's in, up in Hudson County. And I would assume that we're going to get that done. I, I would think that Mike and I are just going to one day go up and go play that. And maybe maybe we got to readjust after, after we've played it. But that, that's going to be kind of the goal. I don't think we're going to do this every week. Not going to be a weekly thing. But occasionally we're going to pull it out of the hat and see what we, what we come up with. Uh, so if you have any suggestions out there for us, guys that are listening, certainly, you know, throw us some, throw us some ideas, preferably public, but we're going to try to get out to some of these. And, and I think these are, these are more like wants for us, like haven't played it. Let's check it out kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great idea. I mean, when you think about the entire state, um, and I know in one of our earlier episodes we talked about, you know, well, man, it'd be nice to play every single golf course in the whole state eventually. Um, and, and that may be a long, long, long term goal. Um, but in terms of finding one in every county, that's, a, that's an interesting spot. And not saying that you're going to get to it in the year 2023, but, you know, I, I'm just thinking and I'm looking at the map myself like, I don't know specifically if I've played a, a golf course in Warren County. I don't know if specifically if I've played a golf course in Morris County. Um, I don't know if I played a golf course all the way out in Salem County. So like there's, there's counties in this state that, you know, I know that we have the audience that is up and down and east and west all over. So, you know, when I just Google certain spots and, and certain courses, granted, you know, the publics are the ones that we know we can definitively get on. So that's kind of like what we're looking for. But if you have a, a private that you highly recommend that, that, you know, that we could get on, that's a different story. But I think what we're looking for is accessibility. And that's where the public courses lie. And, and we know from speaking to so many guests and DMing with so many people in the audience, like there are spots out there that, that we want to play. Uh, there are spots that we've seen that you guys have recommended. But we'd love to hear them all. And then we can, you know, make our own final decision in terms of finding those courses in those counties. But I think this segment of like 21 courses, 21 counties is, is a cool thing. And it opens up the, 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 the whole book to the entire state. It's not just centrally located to, to certain specific areas. So uh, I think it's a great it's a great little thing and kind of opens the door to 2023. Yeah. So we'll on that on our end. We want to do it right. And we'll we'll work on it and come back with what we come up with for you guys. Yeah, add that input. Shoot us a DM. You know, let us know of a spot out in, you know, Warren County that you guys think highly of, um, because you're the experts. You 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 live in that area. You know, we're just two guys who want to talk, play, and experience all things golf in the Garden State. Well, we pulled up the county list, Mike. I don't know if I've ever been in like Salem or Cumberland County. Other than driving through, like, and, and even then, does, does 195 go to the Delaware Bridge? Is that Salem or Cumberland? Because there's a good chance I haven't been to the other one then, if you don't even count driving through. So some of these counties, uh, again, haven't been to or just have driven through. Again, I have no idea about any of them around I'm going to throw, so throw one at you right now. I'm going to throw one sure. at you. You ever been to Running Deer? Yeah, I have. That's Salem County. Is that? That's even farther south than I thought. Oh, that's such a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what I did? I literally just typed in the Google. I said, all right, Salem County Golf Course. Let me just see if one pops up that I knew. And I had a gut feeling that, you know, you 
had I'm like he's got to maybe know something out there. I thought running deer was was more like was more Gloucester or yeah, Camden. No. I didn't really I didn't realize it was that far south. Yeah, listen, we're, I'm not I'm not I mean, claim, I'm not claiming to be a geography to guru. To. You know, I'm not <laughs> claiming to be a geography guru. So thank God for Google. But like, I'll give you another example because I'm quickly just plugging this in to put things in perspective for us. Like, I know you've told me you played the Architects, right? Mm-hmm. You said you played that, right? You know I where have, Architects yep, in? You know what county? That's is that Hunterton or Warren? Warren. Okay. So like you can start checking up some boxes already. We, I mean, I know for a fact I've never played these courses off the top of my head that Google's listing. Never played Architects, never played Hawk Point, never played Panther Valley. Now, some of these are private. I get it. Don't don't be blitzing me on the DMs. I get it. But, like, I, I've i never been up to any of those spots. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting when you start plugging these names into certain counties that you thought you've never been, and you've been. Very true. Dr. Mike Pamakala at Sport Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. A Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner, Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let dysfunction disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportsolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. All right, so Mike, I I thought we'd talk about some of the things that golf has a problem with or that I have a major problem with in golf. And I got a couple of them. <laughs> Other than that golf is really hard, I like I, I got a real issue with this one particular rule. And I'm going to paint you a picture here. A tapestry of words I'm going to paint for you here. Am I closing my eyes for this? You're strolling along. Am I closing my eyes? You can if you'd like to. Sure, okay. sure. You're on the 10th hole at Manasquan, right? You came in your first nine. You were... Two under par. You got a real nice round going. You stripe your drive on 10. On the green, two putt. You come to 11. Stripe your drive right down the middle. You haven't missed a fairway yet today. You just can't miss. You're a fairway and green machine today. And you come to hole 12. You got this beautiful view looking out onto the water. Little bit of a crisp breeze, not too much. The sun's warm on your face. You're feeling good. You're two under through 11 holes on the 12th hole, which is just a beautiful hole. And you, again, hit an absolute missile right down the middle, an arrow. You pick up your tee before you even see the ball hit the ground because you know exactly where it's going. You start walking up with your, with your caddy, your group. Everybody's having a good time, a lot of laughs. Group's playing well, so that's great. You get up to your ball, and you're in someone's divot. They didn't fill it with sand. They didn't replace that bit of fairway that went flying. It's just in a divot. Now you're all pissed off. Now you're like, what is this? 
I, I just hit a perfect shot right down the middle, and I got penalized because somebody else on the course wanted to act like a jerk. So now what happens? Now you got to try to do something that you didn't need to do or didn't want to do. So you chili dip one into the bunker, out of the bunker, not onto the green, up to the green, you hit it long, two putt. Now you're frustrated because your round just got ruined because some stupid jerk face couldn't replace their turf into the 12th fairway. I have a real issue with this situation. I have a real issue with this situation because I'm probably not too under, but I can also understand playing a good round. I hate that you did the exact thing that we're looking to do in golf, which is hit the fairway. And you hit the fairway. And you have to be penalized because somebody else did not replace their divot. Now, I don't know how it should be changed because maybe just roll over in the fairway is a little too casual. But obviously no closer to the hole and just move it out of the divot to where the divot's not going to affect it. Six inches, left or right, is all that it should be. But I refuse to accept that you should be punished for hitting the ball smack in the fairway. That's what we asked you to do. Golf has asked you to hit it in this shortly mode part, and you did that. And I'm really proud of myself that I didn't curse through any of that because I'm getting angry just thinking about that situation. Yeah, I, I listen, I... To, oh, go ahead, finish. Finish that last I sentence. was just going to say, how do we get this changed? Who do we got to write letters to? Is that what Congress people are for? We got to do something about this because this is a... There is a... There's a pandemic going on, and it's not COVID. It is people leaving pitch marks in the middle of the fairway, not cleaning up after themselves. There's no doubt that that person that's not having proper etiquette is, A, truly the person to blame because you're stubborn, you're selfish, you're ignorant to everybody else on a golf course. It's the same thing about pitch marks on greens. It's the same thing about raking the bunkers. Like At the end of the day, we need to have proper golf etiquette regardless of how good or how bad you're playing on that specific hole. But you are 100% right when it comes to golf. And I understand the traditionalist is going to say you play the ball as it lies, no you know, ifs, ands, or buts. I get that. But just like everything else in life, you have to evolve a little bit here. Like there needs to be like, okay, it's not 1925 anymore. It's 2023. Like, if we all understand that this game is so damn hard that how I understand if you hit it in the rough and it's in a divot, like, don't hit it there. You hit it in the bunker and the ball's plugged, don't hit it there. Like, water sneaks up and you didn't know, I don't care. Don't hit it there. But when you're talking about the fairway, like, I, again, just similar to you, I have a tough time swallowing that, that you're telling me that I got to hit out of someone's two inch two inch deep divot because they didn't want to either put some sand from their caddy into the hole or they didn't want to take the divot and put the divot back into its original spot to me i'm like there's got to be some sort of leeway some sort of understanding that i'm not playing lift clean in place on a normal day in the summer i'm not it's also something i would bring my whole group over to and look at and say look it's in a divot in my own fairway. If I duck it left into another fairway, I'm playing the ball out of that divot. 
but my own fairway on the hole I'm playing with on, there's got to be something. There's got to be, in my eyes. Like, I, I understand everybody's perspective and argument, but to me, I'm like, I did everything right, and now I'm getting penalized? I don't know if I agree with that. There's got to be something. Six inches, no closer to the hole. Or just take the ball out of it and move it to the side. It's got to be something. But, and that's all, that's all I'm saying is literally, like, you don't even need to bend down. Just take the golf club and just pull it no closer to the hole just so it's out of it. I, I don't, uh, again, like, I would even say, again, you hit it in the rough. All right, if that's where you want to draw the line, it's in a divot. That That's fine. You sh- you're not supposed to hit it in the rough. You're not supposed to hit it in the bunker. I, I, I get all that. You hit it smack in the fairway and... Again, I can't, I can't stress it enough. You did the thing that golf is telling you you have to do, and, and you're getting penalized for it. I got, a real, I got a real issue with that. I think that should be a, like a local rule. Like, obviously, local rules supersede the USGA rules. Like, you would like for somebody to step out on a limb and say, hey, listen, we're not, we're not going to have that rule here. On a, in a divot, mm-hmm. on the hole you're playing, the local rule is... You can take the ball out. I get it. I'm going to get blasted on through DMs about that's not how golf is played. You play it as it lies. I get all that, people. I do. But you all know if, you, if you're going through Ryan's scenario right there, you're two under through 11, and you got six holes left, and then you hit a perfect drive, and you end up in the divot, and you make double going to the 13T, you're, you're a little PO'd. And I know you're going to say, well, no, that challenges you mentally. I get all that. I'm not arguing that perspective. I'm just arguing that I'm getting penalized for something that I did not do wrong. It was some asshole who did something wrong. Now, I also want to point out in this scenario that I drew out for you, I really threw another golfer at a country club and the caddy under the bus and ran them over several times. That's not what I meant to do. But you know, if you go to some place that the course is is chewed up or so, you know, not every place has caddies, not every place has, you know, you can go play a public track somewhere, you're going to have people who are there just to knock it around and not really follow golf etiquette. It should again, be a public course rule. It should be a local again, rule at all public courses. Yeah, I, I again, you never, I have a, I've been saying this for a long time. I think that this is maybe because I hit the fairway so rarely, but I I don't want to be penalized when I'm in the fairway when I hit it there so rarely. Another outdated rule that I have an issue with, Mike, is footprints in the bunkers. And I think this kind of goes hand in hand with the ball and the divot. If someone doesn't rake their bunker and your ball is in a footprint mark or in a, a shot mark in a bunker... Can, can we do rake in place? I, I mean, is there is there is that that difficult? I don't think it's that difficult to rake the bunkers, but again, some people some people either don't don't know how or don't do a good job because they're in a rush for whatever reason, being pushed or you know took some time. You know, maybe it took them four shots to get out of there. Whatever the case is, I, I this is another one where again I I hit it into the bunker. I expect it to be a particular situation like I, I like you go into the you go into the bunker expecting there to be sand not not sand castles and it, when you're going into somebody's footmark someone dug in there 
you're not going to be able to hit out of that. So again, some people probably don't follow this rule and say, hey, just pick that up, move it. And, and that's fine, but technically it's against the rules. And this is also something I've, I've done and I've said to people, just rake it, place it, or just move it and then rake the whole thing. I, I don't so know which I'm way you want to go. I was just going to say, I don't know which way you want to go on this, but this is one where, where I have a bit of an issue with as well. I have less of an issue because you're not supposed to hit it in the bunkers. It's supposed to be a hazard. I got that. But it's also not the conditions that the hazard is supposed to be in, which is my problem with it. Right. And so that, again, that to me, that's that golf etiquette in, entire thing, like about the thing. And I think this is where I probably differ on your take than the fairway. Because just like you just mentioned at the back end of that, you're not supposed to hit it there and it's considered a penalty area. In a, se- in, in a sense, it's not like you get penalized, but it's you're playing the ball on different grounds under different rules per se. So I, I see where you're coming from, but I guess I can accept that one a little better than I would if I striped it in the fairway. So are you saying that you accept it or, or you'd have an easier time swallowing it? Like, are you still for the, the rake in place? I'm not. So you're not. Okay. Where's your percentage lie? Because I'm the same way. I can understand it. You're not supposed to hit it in there. Like I said, I, I totally get that. I think, I think but there's as, also... As a, go ahead, finish. Go ahead. Sorry. You're, you're just, you're not playing the course in the morning, the the crew goes out and creates the course that they want everyone to play today. And they put the pins in certain places, they rake everything, they set up the course to be played under these conditions today. And when somebody doesn't rake when they get out, they're not recreating the conditions that the course is supposed to be under. And because of that, you're not playing the course under the conditions that the superintendent meant for them to be under that day. And in my eyes, that supersedes the, you shouldn't have hit it over here. I think that's it for me. Again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have hit it in there. I can, again, the divot rule, I am a hundred percent on. The footmarks in a bunker rule, I'm like... 85, 15, 80, 20. I can understand your argument of don't hit it in there, but I'm telling you that I think that the superintendent said, this is how we're setting the course up and this is how we're playing it today. And you're not playing it under those conditions, which is not how the course is meant to be set up. I, I see it. I see that. I mean, that's a that's a valid, valid debate going back and forth in terms of like when the superintendent gets the course in shape that morning before everybody goes off, this is what the expectations are. I think the reality behind that, though, is once that first wave of group goes out, we know it's not the same. And I agree with you that that's where it's unfair that if I had the 7 a.m. tee time and I'm the first one on it, the course is going to be a lot different, let's be honest, than it would be if I'm the 3.30 tee time and there's divots everywhere, bunkers aren't raked, it's a mess. Green, there's pitch marks all over the greens. Like, yes, there's no doubt. The hardest part is, like you keep saying, is separating the two. You got the fairway, which you're supposed to do, and then you got the bunker, which you're not supposed to do. But then you could also take that argument, like you said, like, well, it's 
not what the course was designed and how it was supposed to be. So like, I don't know if I'm as 100% to zero the way I am fairway in a divot in terms of one way or the other. I, I would say it's probably 50-50 in terms of like I can say I shouldn't hit it there and I got to play it because you're the idiot that hit the ball in the bunker. But then I also can get infuriated with the idiot that didn't want to rake the bunker because he just was not caring or he was in a rush or whatever the case is. Like, I would say I'm 50-50 there. So, again, I just I, I, I keep coming back to, yeah, I think I'm 80-20. I understand you're not supposed to hit it in there. I really do. 80% saying you get, should be able to rake and then place the ball back rake down. And, rake and play. I'll tell you, if you come up with another thing, rake and roll, like like stand in the back of the bunker and just roll it into the bunker, that's what you want to do? That's like, I don't know of another way. Like, I'll, I'll come up with a different way so you don't. Because, again, if you are if you do have to rake and place it, you are placing it on, on top of one grain of sand so you can hit it as perfectly as possible. I get that. I, I get that that's you're putting it under pristine condition. So uh, so I, I don't know the other side, but again, I'm for I'd rather have the rake in place and deal with uh, okay, you got lucky and got to put it perfectly on the sand as opposed to you have to get a shovel and dig out of someone's footprint that really dug in. Yeah. So I mean, that, I think that's kind of what the what the new term of being a penalty area, being like sand, water, things like that. That's where I feel like I just don't know if you could touch the ball then, knowing that. So if it says penalty area, let me ask you: when they make these rules and they say, "Okay, we're going to make this a penalty area," how much of a penalty do you think they're making it? Like, what is their intention? I think I, I, I listen. I don't know. I guess my my guess would be in areas that you technically should not be hitting the golf ball. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, score wise, is it? Do you, are they trying to affect the number or just the difficulty of the shot? When like when you hear penalty area, do you think it's supposed to be affecting the number on the scorecard or the difficulty of the shot? The number on the scorecard. Okay. And I think that hitting it into the bunker doesn't necessarily affect the number on the scorecard. Because you can be in a fairway bunker, right? Have a have a seven iron into the green, hit it onto the green, and two putt, you still parred that hole. Correct. So I, I don't think that when they say penalty area, it's necessarily meaning strokes on a on a scorecard. It's meaning to be a little bit more difficult than normal conditions, than, than where you should be, which is the fairway, which is why you shouldn't be penalized for a divot. But I, I, if you're hitting out of somebody's footprint, it's going to be more. It's going to be numbers on the scorecard because you're not going to be able to get it out of someone's footprint, especially someone that's really dug in and it's in like their back heel of, you know, that they really dug it in on. I don't, I don't think that that's the equitability that they were looking for. They're looking to make it a little harder because you hit it in there, not necessarily penalize you strokes. Yeah, and I guess it goes back to if a bunker is 
by the language deemed a penalty area. I don't know. I just feel like it's like a a hazard. Yeah, but I, I feel like the, in the game of golf, they switched up the rules in terms of there's no more like hazard. It's now a penalty area. And if, is that just red and yellow stakes? Or are you throwing other areas of the golf course? And then I guess that'd be something I need to look up. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, again, I think the long and short of it is those, those are the two that I got the, the biggest problem with so far. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for Mike and I here. Uh, and our debate on some different golf rules and things. Probably have some more to come back to. I'm sure you guys have some opinions on it, so hit us up. Let us know what you think. Uh, certainly open for more more discussion there. Now we're going to send you to our interview with Chris Goderup. And as I started the episode with, Chris is, is on a fast track to being a really great professional golfer. Uh, New Jersey native. Um, stayed in state, did four years at Rutgers. So again, even, even continuing to make his mark on New Jersey golf, we had an awesome time chatting with him, uh, as he was sitting in his, in the locker room at his, at his club in Oklahoma, getting ready for the corn Ferry tour this week. So here's our interview with Chris. Enjoy. So today's guest is, is a huge treat here to, to the people in the Garden State. When, when I talk about, you know, the best golfer, you know, I can't lie. We've been fortunate to have some really good ones on. But I think, you know, the cream of the crop is, is today's guest. You know, we're fortunate to get a few minutes here from, from Chris Godrup. I, I'm sure I could go on and on in terms of the accolades and the awards that Chris has received throughout the years. Um but I'm going to name a few here just for the audience. You know, just as a little background of Chris, he was a, you know, four-time letter winner at the at Christian Brothers Academy, Asbury Park Golfer, the Asbury Park Press Golfer of the Year, Monmouth County Tournament Champion, Shore Conference Tournament Champion, All Shore, All State, Accolade upon Accolade in high school. The list goes on and on. 2019, he was the New Jersey State Golf Association State Open Champion. He was also the Met Amateur Champion that year, while also in 2019 receiving the NJSGA Player of the Year. Chris went on to play four years at Rutgers, where he was the Big Ten Player of the Year in 2020. He also went on to Oklahoma University, where he was not only the Haskins Award winner, but he was also the Jack Nicholas Award winner. And one of the most impressive things I felt was he finished the 2022 season as the number one collegiate golfer. You know, as a, as a rookie on in the 2022 professional golf season, he was a finished tied for fourth at the John Deere Classic on a sponsor's exemption. And this year, he's got full status on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, Chris, I, I appreciate, you know, you giving us a few minutes here. And I, and I apologize because I probably could go on and on just reading, you know, your bio. Um, so I, I really do appreciate it. So, so Chris, to kind of get this thing going, I, I mean – Obviously, I, I'm going to get to kind of where you are right now eventually. But, you know, for the audience, and, and I know that we've had a lot of kids kind of look back and they've said to me, man, if you got Chris Goddard up on, you know, that'd be a home run. And I said, trust me, I'm, I'm doing everything I can behind the scenes. So clearly the, the, the golfers in New Jersey, not only the kids that listen, 
Um, but also the amateurs, the mid-ams, the, the, the local pros. Like, why don't you give everybody a little background of you and your story, kind of like where you are to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys both know. I, I grew up in um, Monmouth County. I went to CBA. I went to um, Markham Place in, in Little Silver. So I've been, you know, around the Monmouth County and New Jersey golf my whole life. Um, yeah, and everything started at CBA for me. Um, I'm pretty sure I played against both of you guys. And, um, you know, we had some we had some good teams. And I had a lot of fun just playing with CBA and playing with Jack Wall and Brendan Hansen and all those guys, the Wall brothers. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it all started for me. And then, um, obviously, moving on to Rutgers, things progressed. And then, you know, moving to Oklahoma last year, things progressed even more. And then turned pro. And, um, you know, things keep progressing. So, hopefully hopefully the trend keeps going in that right direction. And, um, but yeah, honestly, it's just been – it's been a lot of fun just, you know, starting from basically zero. And then, obviously, you guys still got a lot of work to go. But, um, yeah, it's just been a fun journey. And kind of just to quickly go to those CBA days, you know, I obviously I remember handing you the trophy at the short conference tournament. Um, and, and one of the things that when we spoke to Jack, one of the things he stressed so highly about, you know, in regards to those CBA days was just like how close you guys were and, you know, how competitive it was each and every day. And he said, you know, you, you, you I think as golfers, you take for, you know, t- you, you take, you know, like you just misunderstood how much of a family atmosphere it's like, how competitive practice are, and you, just, you constantly find ways to to get the best of yourselves with such good players. Did you have the same experiences as well? Yeah, for sure, and I think that stems from all three, you know, of my teams that I played on. So, you know, CBA was awesome. We, I mean, it was serious, but it wasn't serious compared to what, you know, college golf is. So we would, you know, leave school and drive over to the course and then we'd go play nine holes, whatever, with all of our guys. But we were trying to, but it was just fun to play against them every day. And, um, and yeah, we played every day together. So um, that was fun. And then, you know, college, you have your team and you do the same thing, just on a bigger scale. And then um, I can speak on it now that I don't have a team. It's really just me. Um it's different and it's, it's harder. It's not, it's harder to get motivated in a sense, not that it's hard to get motivated to play your best, but um, when you're going out every day and you know you have your team and you're trying to beat everyone on your team, it's, it's easy to get fired up each day for practice. And, you know, it's, it takes a different mindset when you're doing it by yourself. So um, I'm adjusting to that and figuring that out. But uh, yeah, the team team is the best, one of the best parts. And that's what coach always told us at school he was like, you know, you're never going to have a team again unless you play the Ryder Cup or President's Cup. So you better you better play really well if you want to get back on a team. No doubt. That's a that's a really interesting point because because like you said, you're you're part of a team. Like you see your teammates, right? You're you know you're at CBA, Rutgers, Oklahoma. Like you see them every day. That can be like everyday competition. And like, hey, I I need to play better than you know as the number one guy of your team. It's like, okay, I don't want to get caught. You're always you can see your competition in front of you. Whereas now that you're on tour, and like you said, you, you don't have a, a team per se, that you're going against them without knowing what they're doing at practice. That's an interesting point. I, I don't think I've ever thought about that, that like you're, you have your team, you know, you got your coach, like your you know swing coach, you got your, your physical therapy, whatever that your team is, but you don't have that, that like camaraderie of having other guys. That's an interesting point. 
yeah, it's it's uh, it takes a while to get adjusted to, and I'm definitely not adjusted to it fully yet, but um, I'm working on it. So, so Chris, like obviously, as your high school career was going on, like clearly you were killing it. You know, you were at the top of every leaderboard. Your averages spoke for themselves. You know, to and I know that you know we get DMs all the time from you know, kids in high school saying, you know, you know, man, could you get him on? We'd love to hear how he transitioned from being a stud high school kid to the collegiate level. Like even before you get to the tour, because, you know, I hear it so many times through a DM, like, Oh, I'm a division one golfer. And, you know, I'm trying to play, you know, like, what is it like when you go from, you know, no offense, like a CBA to, to Rutgers and then, no offense to Rutgers, but I and I and I've read a lot of articles about how you felt like Rutgers prepared you for Oklahoma. But then, like when you go from Rutgers to Oklahoma, like what is each of those transitions like in terms of like the work ethic, the balancing of school, and, and just being able to compete at such a high level? Yeah, um, it's interesting. You know, coming from CBA, you know, to to start, I always played golf for fun. Um, I never played it to like. I never thought I would really turn pro just because, like, you know, growing up in New Jersey, there wasn't really a lot of guys that did that, and it wasn't really something that everyone strived to do. Um, I just played it for fun, and I played it because I was pretty good at it. And um, I never thought, like, well, we'll see what happens. And uh, when I got there, I definitely got humbled. Um, You know, I definitely wasn't as good as I thought I was, and uh, I wasn't as good a shape as I thought I was. So. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was definitely, you know, my sophomore year, I think I was ranked or my freshman year, I think I was ranked like 600th in the country um, at Rutgers. So I knew that if I wanted to, if I wanted to take it serious, I needed to change some things. And I started working a lot harder and working with my coach, uh, both at Rutgers and my swing coach. Um, And we just, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but uh, things started to change a little bit. And uh, once you see something work the right direction, then you work a little harder and it keeps working out. So, um, yeah, that was – and then I obviously had my All-American year, my junior year. Um, and then, you know, COVID hits, and uh, I actually had a hand surgery too uh, right when COVID hit. So, um, yeah, it's just been – there's been a lot of ups and downs. And um, I didn't play great my senior year. After being All-American, I finished, you know, the year not great and, um, and then I, you know, moved to Oklahoma and, you know, things, things went amazing. So, um, I just tried to work as hard as I could and know what I was working on at each level. Um, and I wouldn't say I, I knew what I was working on at CBA. I just, at CBA, I just played cause I had fun and I was decent at it. And then once I figured out that I was, all right, maybe this is for real, then I worked hard and, you know, tried to try to get it dialed in. Do you, do you think that when you left Rutgers, like obviously I, I read a lot like in terms like when you got hurt and then your senior year to some extent, and I don't even know you want to clarify it as like a, a disappointment, but when you went to Oklahoma, did you feel kind of like rejuvenated, like re-motivated, like, oh, uh, okay, now I'm, I'm walking into the Big 12. Like, and, and again, no disrespect to the Big East or, or, or Rutgers or the Big 10, excuse me, the Big 10 or, or Rutgers, but like, obviously that's a whole different level. Like the big 12 and, and, and is, is higher. It's the better golfers. It's nonstop competition. Do you think that like kind of remotivated you after that senior year at Rutgers? Yeah. I, I, 
I was always motivated. I just never um, – it just didn't work out my senior year. You know, we didn't play in the fall, and I was still recovering from my hand. Um, and it wasn't good, it, and, I, and I worked hard, and I did what I could, and it just wasn't – it wasn't what – like, it didn't work out the way it was supposed to. So um, – or maybe it did. I don't know. But, um, yeah, once I – I mean, when I got to Oklahoma, um, you know, co- the coach at Oklahoma told me first day, he's like, listen, I know you're good but you don't have a guaranteed spot on like our starting, you know, everyone's going to go out and earn it. Um, so I was like, uh, uh, all right. Um, <laughs> so like, I didn't, I didn't go into, I didn't go into it expecting, you know, I went into it and all I knew I had to beat everyone on our team in the first qualifier in order to get a spot. So um, I think it, it humbled me more than like, more than anything, like at Rutgers, you know, I worked really hard and, and coach pushed me as hard as, as hard as he could. And, um, and I loved it. And, and I wouldn't, like I said, I, I would not be at Oklahoma without, you know, records. So, um, and then at Oklahoma, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't say anything really changed. I just started getting better and I had a little more time cause I, I wasn't, I've already graduated college. I had not as much school to do and, um, I had a lot more free time. So, um, yeah, it's it, it definitely a different mindset going into it just because I you know coach put me in my place on the first day and he was like you're gonna if you're gonna do anything you're gonna earn everything so um yeah I, I would say it's just kind of little things like that it wasn't anything you know mind-blowing that you know I have a secret to everything you mentioned before about like progressing like from CBA and going to Rutgers and then going to Oklahoma and each was like a a step or a level so at what point in this in this journey did did the did the dream and the reality catch up? You know, like at what point did you like, hey, I, like you came in at six hundredth ranked at Rutgers and then ended at number one? Like at what point did that like I want to be the best and I am the best? Like at what point did they end up matching up? Where like shit, the stuff I'm doing is is the right is all the right stuff. Yeah, that's a good question too because I think there is probably two there's two moments where I. Um, you know, my end of my sophomore year at Rutgers, I played really well. I almost won Big Ten championship. Uh, I came in like third, and I had to lead with like, beating good kids and losing to good kids um, that were going to play pro and, and that have turned pro. So right then, I was probably like, all right, maybe this is for real. And then um, after my surgery, I was pretty playing pretty terrible all summer. I was coming second to last and missing cuts and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I got humbled in a sense there where I didn't know if I was ever going to be as good as I once was. Um, so then I get to Oklahoma and things change again. And then I was like, all right, maybe I can do this for real again. And then you always think you can do it for real. And then the moment I was like, all right, this is for real. Probably Puerto Rico when I played really well down there um, to do it on that, you know, in the real deal, um, just solidified some stuff, but, you know, uh, there's, there's still a, you know, you always have to kind of prove it to yourself. Like, I don't think right now I'm, I'm fully ready or like fully capable of, you know, doing what I want to do. So um, there's always little room for improvement and, uh, just trying to be as consistent as possible. Like I, I had a coach growing up and he was like, enjoy the 24 hours, right? Like, like 
you won, enjoy it, but we still got work to do. And I, yeah. and I always liked that. Yeah, and I, I, I think definitely that, you know, everything's moved so fast for me in the last year that I didn't do a good job of that. Like, you know, I we played NCAAs, um, whatever that was, June, first week of June, last week of May. And I was in Canada the next week playing, you know, the PGA event. I didn't get a chance to sit down at my couch and just soak it in and realize what just happened. I was right in Canada and playing again. So, um, yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's probably a good and bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different moments that I can, you know, look back and say, all right, this is, it's time to take this more seriously. And then, you know, you still have those moments. Um you know, right now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting process for sure. And and now as you kind of like look ahead, because I, you know, I, I do think like when, when you talk golfing in the garden state and you talk about New Jersey golf, there, there's no name, especially on the PGA tour, corn Ferry store tour level that doesn't come to mind as you. Like every golfer that I talk to, whether it's a very good mid-am, amateur, you know, local pro, or even a kid in high school, it's all you. Like, and and I don't mean to put the the weight on your shoulders, but like yeah, yeah, you're no, the I... guy, every, you're the guy everybody's rooting for, and and you're the guy that everybody's gonna back, and 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 I think what you did at at the final stage of Q school, like I thought, no matter even how that final round went, like you just proving to everybody else, like kind of what everybody thought, like this dude is, is the real deal and it's going to happen sooner or later. Like when you look back at Q school specifically, like what was that experience like? How, how draining both mentally, physically, you know, was that like? Yeah. Well, to answer the last question, it, it was a bit of everything. It was, it was a long week just because you had to prepare for two courses and you're, you're just, it's not a fun week. Like everyone there is stressed out because uh, it's their job that they're playing for and my job too. So, um, and it's funny because, you know, I played really well this summer, got into the final stage of Corn Ferry uh, finals and didn't play well there at all. I was not, I was, I played too much golf all summer and, I just didn't have my best stuff when I needed it. And then, you know, all those guys that are there already have their uh, their status locked up for next year, and I didn't. So I go from, you know, playing PGA Tour, almost getting a tour card, final stage, to almost getting another card, and then I'm back at Q School. So for me, it was it was hard to I – was, I was happy and proud of myself that I was able to block all that out, that, you know, maybe I should have status anyways. This is kind of BS, whatever. Um, and then I wouldn't played really well. And obviously I wanted to win. Um, and I could have won and I didn't, um, which bothered me a lot. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you told me T3 going into the week on Monday, I would have said, sure, I'll take it. Um, so yeah, it was, it's not a fun week and hopefully, hopefully that's my last Q school ever. But, um, if it's not, it's, and I'll have to go do it all over again. But, um, yeah, it's, for people that don't understand, it's, it's, it's not fun. There's a lot of people that are, you know, this is what they've been waiting for their whole life or, you know, this is a second chance or, and if it doesn't go well, it, it could be the end. So, um, yeah, 
it's an interesting week. Right. So much pressure on one week of like, you've been like been going through high school. And even if they're similar to you where like, they didn't take it as seriously as they, as they could have, you know, high school, four years of college, maybe they've graduated and tried now, but like, like you're talking about a, a decade plus of like, here's one week and, and it's either going to be a decade's worth of work. It's going to be successful or not. It's that pressure. I, I, I don't think many people can understand that. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, you know, with golf, I don't, I mean, other sports I'm sure are like this too, but you know, if you don't play well that week, you have to wait another year for it to happen again. Like, I mean, you can Monday qualify and so I'm sure that works out sometimes, but like, it's, it's a strange, strange feeling. I don't know how to, you can't really describe it unless you're sitting on the rain. And then obviously, so finishing T3 and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that gives you full status on the corn ferry tour. Or does it just yeah, give you eight guaranteed starts? It gives you 12, which 12. is half the season. But, like, if you make – if you do anything – like, if you go miss 12 cuts in a row, you don't deserve to have full status. Like, <laughs> But if you if you go play well in one event, you're good for the whole year. So you, you basically have full status, but you don't in gotcha. theory. And then, obviously, you know, I and, I, and again, when you look to – greener pastures past that like obviously I, I guess when you're putting a schedule together like are you looking at possible sponsors exemptions to play on the PGA Tour events or do you I mean again I I, I don't know the details but a guy of your level like are you mon- you're not Monday qualifying am I wrong with that yeah I mean it's it's an interesting process um you could like you could go Monday qualify if you wanted to, and if you do that, then great, you're in the event. But um, for me, for me, so the hard part is that you, in order to play like Corn Ferry, you have only a certain amount of events in a short period of time, and if you skip an event and don't play well in the PGA event, then you're really hurting yourself on Corn Ferry, and you're not getting the maximum amount of points that you could be getting while other people are passing you that are playing well. So it's an interesting – in theory, I'm trying to get as many – I'm looking at the schedule and trying to get as many tournaments that don't, you know, overlap with any of the Corn Ferries events. So um, there are a couple that um, are in that scenario, and I'm going to try to get a sponsor exemption through that. And, um, you know, I'll work with my, my agent and, um, you know, and the tournament directors and talk to who I have to talk to and try to get my name in the mix. But, um, you know, I'm totally fine with having to play Corn Ferry this year. And, like, if I don't get as many sponsor exemptions as I would like, then go earn it earn it the real way. So, um, I know for sure I'm going to be playing the Memorial. And because uh, I, I, I have that exemption from the Nicholas Award. So, that one's already X'd off the calendar. So, uh, I'll, be, I'll be excited for that one. So, at the end, at the end of the year, you, you get, like – uh, and again, just this is just being ignorant on the process. Like you get X amount of corn fairy, do like the top three corn fairy point winners from this year get exemptions to the PGA next year? Like how does that end? This year, this year it's the top thirty points guys get uh, PGA cards. Okay. So it's top thirty on the points list, and you you have a PGA tour card. Awesome. Okay. And then when it comes to sponsors exemptions, I, I listen, I, I can't lie, you know, being the golf nerd that I am and just constantly like looking at things and, you know, 
just looking at the fields now, I got I got a it's got to be hard pressed to think a guy like you who is an up and coming guy at maybe some of the not the elevated events why they wouldn't want to be, bring in a guy like you that you know a is is not only a young guy but has already had success not only as an amateur in the PGA events because you showed it at, in Puerto Rico but then also last year at the John Deere like you've made multiple cuts on the tour on top of that like you're clearly a guy that sponsors exemptions like i guess are, is there a is there a cap on that or can you get as many as they're willing to hand out because i don't know why a tour event that maybe is not elevated that can't bring in top level guys wouldn't want a guy like you with with your ability and your resume yeah so that's a good question cuz so you'd get seven unrestricted sponsor exemptions so i've used three from the fall and so i technically have four left but if you get to a certain amount of Points to earn, you can get unlimited for the year. So, um, like my John Deere would have gotten me unlimited, but I already kind of had unlimited since there's only a certain amount of events left in the year. So now I'm in a funny spot where you're trying to handpick certain ones that are good events, but those are the ones that are harder to get into. Um, and you know, yeah, in theory, you would think that it's easy for them to say, you know, why shouldn't I get in? But you never know who the you know, some guy could have done tournament director's favor and played, you know, four years ago when he was a big star. Now he's, you know, he wants to come back and um, and the tournament director owes someone that, you know, that second chance. So um, there's so many different stories that, you know, um, I try not to get too wrapped up in it. But, like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I've had, you know, however many PGA events I've played in on sponsor exemptions already. So, um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a couple more if I can get them, but, um, I'm going to go try to earn, earn it whatever way I, I can. So, um, whether that's corn fairy or, you know, playing well in sponsor exemption. Now, if you, if you win one of the 12 events on the corn fairy tour, I mean, and again, I guess that's assuming that you play all 12, like, does that automatically elevate you to move up? During the season, like in theory, let's say you go to the Bahamas this week, okay, or next week, you win opening week. Like now that the PGA Tour is out on the West Coast, can can does a spot per se like open up for a guy like you that's already won down there? Um, so if you win three during the season, you get automatically elevated to PGA Tour. Gotcha. But if you win, if you were to win, you would be in a really good spot in the top 30 rankings. So then you could readjust your schedule and try to play more PGA tour events and um, do it that way. So there's, there's a bunch of different, it, you know, it's kind of all personal preference and um, yeah, I, I'd love to go down to Bahamas and win and have that issue. So um, hopefully that's the case, but um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to do it straight through corn fair, you got to win three times and then you get elevated. Like I think Mito Pereira did it like, two years ago or something he was he was off the tour by the start of the summer so yeah that yeah I, I i see that and it always interests me because you see a lot of the guys float from one place to the other and 
and obviously not knowing all of the details in terms of like how many or why, and, and there's no doubt like anything in life, there's definitely the politics that go on behind the scenes. So I, I totally get that, especially if a yeah. bigger name guy has won in the past and he's trying to resurrect his career, he may just have a bigger name that could draw a few more people in. Um, but I guess as you like project ahead, will you play both weeks in the Bahamas? Uh, yeah, I'll be both weeks in the Bahamas and then, um, I'm probably going to do Colombia and Panama and, uh, yeah. And then we'll, and we'll go from there. And then I'm working on one sponsor exemption, um, in the next month or so. So we'll see if I get it or not, but, um, yeah, I'm going to start off on corn fair. Hopefully get off to a good start and then, uh, and then go from there. There's a tournament in April that I think you should try to get a sponsor exemption for. Yeah. Um, I don't think they hand out sponsor exemptions as much as I would love to. <laughs> That's, I'll tell you what, that's not a bad two weeks. Two weeks in the Bahamas ain't too terrible. No, it's it's not the uh, it's not the worst worst gig in the world to start off the year. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Now, does does Jack's tournament count as a sponsor's exemption or no? Since you've already been basically in it. No, it it doesn't it doesn't okay. count because like because you earned it through like they're not handing that one out. Like you earn the award. So you earn a spot. Like it's the same thing as Puerto Rico wasn't a sponsored exemption because I won the college event and got that spot. So, um, which is a nice, nice perk for sure. Is the, is Jack's tournament, is that a, a lifetime thing or like how, is that just for this year? Cause you want it like just, this just this year. Okay. I wish. And then as you, and, yeah. When you look ahead to your schedule, um, like, are, are you looking at it like I'm going to take it in chunks throughout the calendar year because the goal is to eventually play on the PGA Tour at some point this season? Or are you just looking at it all of 2023 saying, you know what, I'm, I'm on the Corn Ferry Tour, I'll play my handful of PGA Tour events and, and kind of go from there? Or are you split it up and say, listen, like, I want to get into this tournament or I want to get into that tournament? Um, probably more so that I'm going to be on corn Ferry unless something crazy happens. Um, and I'll play my handful of, you know, tour events and, um, but obviously for me, I just go, I just go week by week. You know, if I play really well the first couple of weeks, then I can readjust how I think about things. But for now, I'm just going to try to go down to Bahamas and, you know, I haven't even booked my travel for, um, Columbia or Panama yet. I'm going to deal with that when I need to. So. Um, I try not to look too far ahead of, of you know, what the year, because who knows what's going to happen by the time August rolls around. Um, so I try not to worry about it too much. Chris, we've talked to a couple people and they've mentioned people not having the, like the finances to, to book travel and, and things like that. Is that something that you're concerned with at all at this point? Luckily, right now, no, because um, I, I was fortunate enough to play really well at school and um, was able to sign some nice deals coming out of school, and it, it freed me up definitely for sure. Um, and then to go play well last summer and make some money was nice too. So um, I'm fortunate to be in a decent spot where, you know, that's not the thing I'm thinking about. I'm able to go play golf. And, um, but, I mean, for sure, coming out of school, like, that's part of the reason why I needed another year or two. Like, you know, 
coming out of Rutgers and um, not really having a great senior year, there wasn't much money for me out there. Like, and it would have made things a lot harder. And I don't think I can guarantee that I probably wouldn't be where I am right now if I turned pro right there. Um, so it definitely having the doors open that open for me uh, definitely helped me play well and free me up mentally. I was interested in that part because we've had we've talked to some other people about it. Yeah, no, and that's it's people don't realize how expensive you know playing. And that's the funny thing about the PJ Tour too is you know everyone's paying for it out of their own pocket. Um, you know, none of like John Rahm's paying for his flight to go to whatever tournament, and he's paying for his hotel, and maybe someone's putting him up in a house for fun. But it's everything's done on your own own dime, so. There's a reason why all this money is getting boosted up. Yeah. Just in the nick of time for you. Yeah, exactly. Good timing. So, I, Chris, I, I kind of want to dive into, like, the the sponsorship type thing. and Because I, I know this, this week specifically with the tour starting, you know, a lot of noise was made in terms of, like, who's wearing what and who's using what equipment. And, and I know as, as, you know, fans of guys like yourself and guys on tour, you know, you kind of, you know, think like, well, if he's hit in this club, man, I, maybe I need to put it in my bag. Like, do you have an equipment deal? You know, obviously I've seen the Nike things going around and whatnot. Like, do you have an equipment deal too, where you're, you know, I don't want to say forced, but you're open to playing specific clubs or, you know, you kind of going like the Patrick Cantlay and just rolling by yourself. Yeah. So, I'm kind of in the middle. I've done things my own way for sure. Um, and we kind of did that on purpose, me and my, my guy, my manager. So a lot of kids, I'll say a lot of kids coming out of school, like my roommate, um, he signed with Ping. He has a 14 club deal with Ping. Um, so he's got no real leeway to play whatever he wants. Um, and then he, uh, and then a lot of kids signed with Taylor made Callaway, you name it. Um, but for me, I did, nike because because i i obviously like nike and um yeah and it's a cool cool brand but for me it allows me to play whatever clubs i want and um not have to be forced into and i'm, I'm kind of a guy that likes to tinker with new stuff like you know all the new drivers just came out and um i have all of them and i'm gonna mess with all of them and try them out so uh, and see which one i like and if i had a tailor-made deal I wouldn't be able to try the Callaway driver or try the ping driver. So, um, yeah. And I, and I do have something that's going to be coming up shortly. So, um, not a club deal, but, um, you know, I have something coming up where, uh, I'm going to be playing a ball, um, that I just did a deal with. So, um, that'll be fun. And then, but I can still play whatever clubs I want. So that's, that's, uh, that's a fun part about what, what I did. Yeah. That, that that's always something that obviously as as again like I'm always wondering like man what's this guy hitting these days you know you obviously you hear the the endorsements but like you always want to know specifics so like anytime a guy wins and I see a what's in the bag article like I'm always that guy clicking on that out of curiosity like what's he hitting you know what shafts in the driver what you know what balls he, is he like I, it always interests me so it always. You know, and I and I assume that a, a lot of guys, I guess your your roommate in college, for example, probably take those types of deals for the money aspect of it because it is so so damn expensive, all the travel, the flights. So they see those deals, and whether or not 
it is what they like to play, they kind of feel like they're hamstrung because they have to play because I need that money to go to get to the places. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that's definitely a big part of it too. Um, and that's kind of where they, you know, that's kind of where they get you a little bit. They kind of handcuff you or they throw you a couple extra bucks and, um, and then, you know, they got you. So, um, and then, you know, it's a lot of those guys that end up doing, um, you know, that those are the guys that are, you know, kind of logoed up and um, cause the most valuable thing that you can have is the hat. So whoever owns the hat of whoever it is, is, is paying the most and they're going to want the most out of you. So uh, whether that's a club deal or, you know, whatever brand, um, you know, you're, you kind of, you kind of work for them at that point. We send you a drop podcast hat. You're going to wear it. <laughs> uh that would not go over well no but i listen that's actually <laughs> funny that you say it i i guess if you had asked me ahead of time what's the most expensive piece that the sponsor wants i guess i would have guessed the bag like the bag itself but i guess the hat makes sense because it's always you're always wearing it yeah the the ba- the, the bag is definitely up there but um yeah i mean because on the t on tv they're not going to, the bag will usually get a clip, but like when you're on TV, they're showing you and you always see the hat. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Tiger. Yeah. Have you ever had a conversation with Tiger? Yeah. Didn't you do the photo shoot with Tiger? Yeah. That was what that was. Right. Does Tiger, does, does now when I see those pictures, I'm like, dude, look at this guy. I'm telling you what, he's he's going to move up the charts before you know it. Like, we're going to try. I got to get ahead of the curve here. Like, <laughs> when you when you talk to a guy like Tiger, what what is that like? Uh, it's weird. Um, I mean, for me personally, like, I'm not I'm not someone that is overly like you know, I kind of just see everyone as, as normal. Um, like, you know, I played with, you know, Ricky Fowler this summer and other guys like that. Like they're just golfers to me. Like they're good at it, but like, they're just normal dudes that you're hanging out with on the range. Um, and that, but like Tiger's different. He's, he's, he's just got a feel. And it, it kind of stinks that he like is hurt the way he is. Cause like it takes away from, the like aura that he has like you know when you like he's just different i don't you, you can't really describe it. you just you just know when you're next to him that like this guy's not like this guy's not one of us there's, there's no doubt like he's not he, he used to be such a a one-way street like when you talk about like laser focus like that dude would interact with nobody and now you yeah def- he's, he's way different yeah now. and now and now i feel like and I, and it, I feel like he's taken on like the dad role of everybody. Like he looks at the PGA tour and specifically like guys like you and, and Rory and Justin and all these guys that have fallen underneath, like, you know, his umbrella that like, he's more of like that father, fatherly, like wise old owl figure where when that man was 25, 28, 35, he was head down. Like, you're not, you know, I'm not saying boo to you. He wouldn't give you the time of day. Yeah. No, yeah, now that, I mean, you know, you see Justin Thomas is, like, Justin Thomas, Ricky, all those guys are, like, his best friend now. Um, and I think part of that is he's just different now um, with all that's happened and whatnot. But, 
part of it's also the live stuff. Like he is the PGA tour and will be until he dies. So all the guys that are playing are they're his like kids almost in a way. So um yeah, it's definitely changed changed golf and changed how yeah, people view him, I think. No doubt there. No doubt. Well, I mean, and again, him having his own kids is gonna like softened him up, it seems like. And he yeah, it's I, I like this new tiger. Like, I wonder if he would trade, like, he's got 82 wins on tour. Would he trade 10 of those just to have a happier career? Like, I, I don't, it's got to be tough. Like, obviously, winning is always fun, but, like, he seems like he's super happy right now and fun and joking around. Like, I wonder if he was like, yeah, I'd rather be happy and win 75 as opposed to be, you know, miserable with 82. I'm not saying he's miserable, but you know what I mean. I, uh, from the short amount of time I spent with him, I'm going to go with a no on that. Um, uh, I think he would sacrifice, sacrifice more to be less happy. Uh, <laughs> he's just, he's just a different, like we were messing around, we were doing the photo shoot thing and, um, he said something to me explicit, but like, uh, I don't know how many kids you have listening to this, so I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but like, but he basically like we're doing this long drive thing off like not not a normal driver, um, and he basically just said you know I'll kick your ass you know you mf her and I was like holy crap like this is just like some fun like this is some fun TV shoot and uh, just from that little glimpse I I don't think he would sell any any of his wins for anything uh, he's still you know broken leg broken everything he's still trying to you know, beat people in, in a stupid little long drive contest. <laughs> that's a, it's amazing. And that's how those guys are wired, right? Like people talk about Jordan being exactly. wired like that. You ever watch the last dance, like those to like the difference between being like great and like the greatest of all time is that, is that that extra level of craziness? Yeah. They, they just, they have a, a different way of viewing things and, it's cool to be around because you realize like you got to step it up to um, if you're going to, if you want to do anything remotely cool, you have to, not that you have to think like that. There's guys that aren't like that, but like, you know, those are the best of the best and they, they think maybe differently than what you think. Chris, as you, as you look ahead to this season, obviously I, I got to assume that you're excited, but like, are you a goal guy? Do you write your goals down? Obviously, listening to you, you sound like you take it like week by week, which is which is obviously, you know, a non, you know, results fixated mindset where you're just focused on like legitimately the one thing at a time. Like, do you do you have goals for yourself or what you're looking to say that 2023 was was an accomplishment? Like you you, you checked all the boxes or or things of that nature? Um, I'm definitely not a goals guy. Um, you know, my goal is to be the best that I, I can be, whether that's now or in 15 years or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, if it would be silly if I said I didn't want to be on the PGA Tour next year, that's that's my that's my goal for this year. So um, I have one goal, that's for sure, this year, and hopefully that, that happens. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to, I don't want to set all these goals. And then, you know, if something happens, I get hurt or whatever happens and it doesn't happen, then I'll be upset. Like I just kind of want to keep, keep going with what I, what I got each week. So um, I try not to lock myself in like a box with all these goals. And um, I'd rather just kind of, you know, go week by week. And, you know, the T like 
guys, like guys I've talked to and whatnot, they like a T fifty one week could be as valuable as a T four if you're not playing good and you still make the cut and you know get those little amount of points that could be the difference in the end. So, um, yeah. So I, I don't want to lock myself in and think like, oh, you have to win this week. You have to do this. And I and I've got that vibe just by listening to some of the comments that you had about about other things, um, like it's starting to look like a lot of guys on tour also have like mentors, like somebody to lean on to kind of, you know, shoot the shit or just to shoot questions off. Do, do you have a guy like that on tour or anybody that you may be like when things get stuck that you may reach out to? Um, I have a couple of guys that I like, you know, that I've been questioned. Like, I, it's kind of more just a guy to like hang out with and, um, um, kind of like, I guess you're bouncing ideas off them, but like, you know, everyone's problem else has felt like, so I need to kind of deal with it. How, but you ask a lot of questions, like, um, but I will say, like, you know, I've hung out with, um, with Ricky a good amount, and I just kind of feed, like, I you just kind of pick things up off of him, just watching him and playing with him and hanging out with him. Um, so you just pick things up that, like, you wouldn't think of and you don't even have to ask questions you just learn from being around them yeah yeah that that makes sense yeah and and, and also just i just thinking about it too like so abe answer played at ou before me and um i actually got to know him pretty well too and you just like same thing you you, you know he told me that his number one rule when he left school was that he never was going to sign a club deal because he knew he would make more money playing what he liked than, um, than you know, getting trapped in. So I, I thought I've done, and I kind of modeled my, not on purpose, but I kind of modeled my whole thing off of that. So like that, like that. He, he I didn't ask the question. He just said it like, um, and so I, little things like that, you just kind of, you know, put in your back pocket along the way. Yeah. Right. Just trying to, trying to be a sponge as best you can. And I, I've always said like, uh, if you if you can learn from other people's mistakes or what other people do, you're going to be successful in life. And like uh, again, when you can look up to somebody and see the road they went down, you can always look back and be like, "That's a that's a road I want to go down," or like, "That's a path that I don't want to go down." And that's like you said, it's good that you were able. He just said it, kind of I'm sure, like off the cuff, not meaning anything by it, and you. Doing doing the right thing, in my opinion, by like absorbing it and and saying that's me. I, I don't. I'm a, I'm a tinkerer. I know that's not going to work for me. So that's what I have to do. That's the path I need to go down. I'm not someone that asks questions. You know, in school, I just kind of sat there and you know, I, I kind of have selective hearing. I would say, like, you know, if there's <laughs> if there's certain things that if there's certain things that popped out to me, I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna that actually makes sense, and I'm gonna listen to this like um and then you know there's certain things that you know you're like oh, this doesn't really apply to me like kind of just in one ear out the other so um i probably missed some things that i probably should have been paying attention to but uh when i hear something that you know i can apply to my life i i definitely you know perk my ears up a little bit what are some things and maybe this is a little like kind of two-part question like what are you good at like what's your a little self-evaluation what are you working a little bit less on or how are you preparing for a tournament this season like what's your what's your preparation like these days 
Um, it's different now that it's the off season and it's about to not be the off season. But um, when I was home um, and I didn't really have anything for that month and a half stretch, I was just trying to work out every day and make sure I didn't lose ground in the gym and, you know, just kind of maintain and not really, not really trying to gain too much, just trying to maintain my flexibility and my strengths as best I can. And um, yeah. And then once it comes to tournament time, I'm kind of just playing and mess and practicing at home the best I can, um, whether that's putting, chipping. I'm always working on short game. You can never be good enough at that. And uh, yeah, you know, and I try not to like, I try not to emphasize like the pre-practice like too much. Like I'm trying to build into my week. Like, so when I go to the Bahamas, I'm going down tomorrow. Like, I'll just go mess around tomorrow, you know, shake off the plane, the plane uh, ride. And, you know, it's not going to be pretty tomorrow when I get down there because, you know, travel just wears on you. But as the week progresses and hopefully by the time the tournament starts, I'll be in a good spot, you know, come t- come whatever. D- I think it starts on Sunday. So um, once that once that comes around, then I'll hopefully be ready. I, I try not to be ready on Wednesday. I try to be ready on, you know, Sunday. I, I obviously kind of have a question here just – you know, first and foremost, I appreciate you coming on, but there's always a question that Ryan and I kind of like to ask to end things. Um, and I, I appreciate the time that you've given us. But my last question I have is like, obviously our goal here with talking golf in the Garden State is to travel the state, play as much golf, talk as much golf as we can, and, and really just enjoy all the different parts that this state has to offer because the courses are just unbelievable when you really think about it. Like if the audience were to say to you, like, Hey, Chris, and I, and I always say this, but take out Pine Valley as the exception here. Okay. Um, if you were to be invited to a private place, like what is one of your number one spots? It's like, drop what you're doing. You got to go. And then if you have a public course too, maybe as a kid growing up, that was like, listen, when my buddies and I wanted to play, we always found a way to go. Like, do you have a private and a public course in the state that stands out to you? Um, yeah, the private the private one's hard. Like every course is different. Like you know, I've been lucky enough to play all of them for the most part, whether that's through school or through just you know for fun. Um, and there's certain vibes you get at different clubs. Like for example, Plainfield for me is a special place because it's an amazing course, fun. Um, but like you can go there and have a good time and, you know, whether it's, you know, you can hang out and have a drink and no one will care. Or if your shoe's untied, you know, no one's going to come up to you and say like, Hey, you got to tie your shoe. Like it's a pretty laid back place. And, you know, Pine Valley's not like that. Um, and there's certain places that aren't like that either, but obviously Pine Valley is Pine Valley. So, um yeah I think playing field like you know I think playing field for me is one of those places where like if someone says you know hey next week I'm going there like right, I'll clear something out and make it work um it's tough I, I have I, if I had to pick one it'd probably be that place but I could go on I could go on for 10 minutes as you guys know. And then public, public's, public's interesting. You know, for me, like Howell is, is one of the courses that like all my friends play now. And if I, you know, if they, I would go, I would go, I would go play with them 
because I, I like it and it's fun and I have good memories there from, you know, high school golf. And um, I will say there's one course that I have marked on my calendar that, or not on my calendar, but in my head that I want to go play is the, um, that new course they built in South Jersey. I forget what it's called. It's like Union League. Oh, the un the Union League. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, that that's the old that's the old Sand Barons that you know was bought out and now went private and is it's all part of the Union League. So I think I think that's that's on my on my to do list. Yeah, the Union League. I never played Sand Barons, but I mean the pictures that they keep posting to that place look insane. The fact that that's in New Jersey is is amazing. So. Um, hopefully it's as good as the pictures look. There's no doubt. Uh, Chris, so I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I, and actually, I'm going to say this. I know that I know the answer to this. You do? But I'm going to ask it anyway. I do, yeah. How? I, I, got, I, got, I got knowledge on stuff. You got sixth sense? I do. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Poor you better be honest. If you, you better be honest if he gives a different answer. I will. Okay. Pork roll or Taylor ham? Uh, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say pork roll. Yeah, you're right. I know I'm Let's right. Oh, go. thank God. That, now for the audience, that, now that it's, it's game, set, match. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I don't know this answer, and I'm going to ask you, grandmas or bagel masters? Uh, well, okay, so that's a double-edged question for me. Convenience-wise, grandmas, but – I would say Bagel Masters is better. So, like, it depends. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Like, which one is better in your opinion? Probably Bagel Masters. If they were right next to each other, I'd go to Bagel Masters. Okay, because that's, like, the big – that's, like, the you know, in our area, that's, like, the big debate. Yeah. No, yeah. But I will say, Grandma's, you're in and out of there in 10 seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. Bagel Masters, you could be there for 40 minutes. Right, because that line can get outrageous. And that all adds to the experience. It does. As 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 Mike and I have debated on this quite a bit, experience is a large part of of what that makes the same thing. Play. Same thing with golf. It's like it's like what I said. Like with like you know, playing field versus Pine Valley. Like it's the same. Same. It's the same. It's not the same, but it's the same kind of dumb dumb correlation. <laughs> all right. Now down to my last golf question. Uh, I think that all golfers are kind of quirky by uh, by nature and and. Um, you know, we all have our different rituals and, and things like that. What are some of the things that you do before a competition, before a tournament that are, that might be kind of quirky, whether it's like, I need to have a certain amount of tees or a ball marker or like whatever it might be, no matter how small, what's something that like, that you might be a little, a little superstitious about that you, that you do in going into a tournament. All right. So I have two things that are, I don't say they're like weird, but they're my, like, I have to play with tees from Rumson Country Club where I played my whole life. Like there are these white tees with the blue stripe in the middle. That's, I can't use any other tee, but those um, when I'm playing, just cause I use the line to tee it up with and um, kind of a weird little thing for me. But, and then my other thing is the clubs have to be in the same pocket that they're supposed to be in. Like when my brother would caddy for me, my brother is not wired the same way that I am. Um, and he would just, he would throw them in, you know, whatever pocket he wanted and it would drive me nuts. Uh, so clubs have to go in the right pocket and then, then, then I'm all good. You can do whatever the hell you want from there. <laughs> I love it. I think that's hilarious. That's good. That's good. But listen, I, I can't thank you enough, dude. Listen, 
you know, I'm, I'm probably one of your biggest fans, you know, just following along. And, and I, I think the world of your game and, and what you're going to accomplish in, in the short period of time that um, this 2023 season has to offer. I, I truly believe that. So I, listen, I appreciate you coming on, you know, best of luck in the Bahamas. Um, and, and trust me, I'll be, I'll be following along closely. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, always nice to catch up and talk uh, talk some stuff from home. So, um, yeah, all the best to you guys as well. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much. Again, good luck this season. No problem, guys. Thanks, bro.